0: Today is the December 12th, 2021 meeting of Hope Bible Church. Bruce Hardy's message
1: is titled, A Defender of Others. If you'd like to contribute to our sermon audio ministry, please click the Give button on our sermon audio homepage. Thank you.
0: Good morning. Good to see you all here today, this Lord's Day here at Hope Bible Church Church. My quiet time this morning, I was reading in Second Chronicles 29, relates to what we just did. Moreover, King Hezekiah and the officials ordered the Levites to sing praises to the Lord with the words of David and Asaph the seer. So they sang praises with joy and bowed down and worship. I like that because our singing is worshiping the Lord. That's what it is to be. But it's it's good to see you here. One thing, more thing I want to say is Steve mentioned the angels, and the Bible says that our new bodies... We will be like the angels, so that we will sing like the angels. That's what's going to happen. So our reading from Romans chapter eight, thirty-two to 34. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also interceded for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these words. What a wonderful truth. What a wonderful fact, reality of life that, Lord Jesus, you came to this earth about 2,000 years ago, grew up as a baby and became a man and lived and died for us and paid for our sins and then rose again from the dead. What a truth and what a fact and now real. In our lives, at least in those of of us who've put our trust in you, but we thank you for this relationship we have. Thank you for the forgiveness. Thank you that there's no condemnation, Lord. Help us then to live in ways as we live with our family, and our brothers and sisters, Lord, where we love them and we forgive them, Lord, because that's what you want us to do. But thank you so much for this time here, Lord. Thank you for yesterday's time with, with, with Steve and his family in in the, the memorial service for for Vicky. We. Bless you, and pray that you'd comfort and encourage his family, and thank you for the times that really it was a sad time in one hand, but also very much of a glad time too. So we thank you, and just pray for your grace and peace upon their family, Lord. And again, thank you that we know the hope, we know the future, we know where Vicki's at, and. We know, Lord, the plans you have for us. But, Lord, again, thank you now for this time we have to be here together to worship, to read your word, to sing, to be together in fellowship. All these things, Lord. Now we commit to you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Good morning, everyone. So, um, been blessed to be preparing for this message for quite a while. Uh, subject of defenders of others and. Uh, as usual, um, when I'm preparing a message, God blesses me beyond what I would would have imagined. And uh, this time he came through again and, and blessed me with a sweet memory of my uh, dad, who passed away years ago. Um, but uh, just to share that brief story with you. Um, so Carol and I used to travel to Orlando to visit with them quite often. And uh, so this one time we went over... Uh, he used to spend a lot of time out in the garage with the door open where he could see the, the sun and everything and take in what's going on in the neighborhood. He really liked to be outdoors. He grew up as a farmer, so I think he was a little bit trapped <laughs> in the uh, residential neighborhood, right? Um, so he, he, he tells me, yeah, he says, you know, I was out here in the garage recently, and um, I looked across the street, and I saw this guy. Uh, that shouldn't have been there um breaking in the the back of the house over there, and he said so uh you know i I went over there and I chased that guy right out of the house <laughs> and I'm, I'm thinking, oh my gosh you know what 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 did he do you know I, i'm I'm thinking, okay, did he take a gun with him did he you know what did he how did he do this and I thought no i said i 'm not going to bother with it that 's dad right that's who he is he 's a defender. And so, uh, you know, I didn't give him a hard time about it. And I think that's the thing, you know, is knowing who a defender is and their nature, right? And um, also, I, I lead out with that, too, so that as you listen to this message, you'll consider that it's it doesn't depend on your age or your physical capabilities. Because he was already in bad shape. I mean, you know, he couldn't walk that good and... He had all kinds of issues, but you know he goes across the street and takes on somebody, not even thinking about it. So it's just very encouraging. Um, but I realize that not everyone has had a good defender in your life. You know, whatever your background is, right? It, it happens, especially um, you know us humans and uh, nature. But that's why I had Steve start out with that reading today in Romans because. God is our ultimate defender. You know, Jesus Christ is our interceder before God that we are looked at as holy before him. So whatever you're going through and you're thinking about today's message, remember that, you know, what a what the perfect defender looks like, right? Because we'll talk about some things here, and they're not perfect, but God is perfect and Christ is. So, so with that foundation, uh, we're going to look at uh, today's message is coming from 1 Samuel chapter 26, if you want to uh, follow along at all or just listen. Um, so it's really exciting, it it includes uh, to me just a uh, one of the great um, manhunts of all time. You know, <laughs> it's uh, Saul's pursuit of David, um, and there's more stories to tell, but we're going to stick to this one section today. So the first um, few verses, 1 to 5, I'll, I'll call them the, uh, the setup of the scene, right? So you've got the, the Ziphites; they're coming to, uh, to Saul, and basically they're ratting out David. <laughs> you know, they're saying, hey, David is down here in our area, in our forest, hiding. And so Saul says, okay... I'll. I will gather up my three thousand chosen men, and I'll go down to the forest and get David. Um, so he goes down there with his men. They they camp out alongside the road, and uh, eventually uh, David he uh, he sends out spies to make sure because he had heard he might be coming. So he he makes sure that uh, Saul and his his army is there, um, and. Uh, so then, once he's assured of that he 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 comes down there to uh, check out the camp where Saul is and uh, so Saul's got his his commander with him, Abner, and the uh, camp um, the uh, folks are all circled around uh Saul basically and uh so that's a pretty good setup. You, know, you can kind of visualize that, but let's go into a few more details here, to to help us visualize it a little bit better and to appreciate it a little bit better. I'll say, um, so if you think about it, uh, David, as I said earlier, you know the 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 Ziphites had turned on him. You know, it's not it's not just one person, right? You you might have had a bad situation with one friend that that might have turned on you or whatever. But David's got a whole tribe <laughs> that's just ratted him out, right? You talk about depressing. So so David's got that going on. Then he's then he's got the king of Israel and all of his resources, you know, coming out against him. Um, so it's no ordinary citizen that's coming up against him. So, of course, he's hiding in the forest. And then you think, okay, he's hiding and, and Saul's got... Uh, 3,000 men coming out against him, right? Um, And these are, it says, chosen men. So they're not just ordinary farmers with pitchforks or what have you, but these are the chosen men of the king of Israel. They're coming out against David with a commander. Um, And so these 3,000 men, they're not just camped around a campfire as, you know, 10 or 12 of us, like when we go camping or what have you in the old days. Um, you know, you got to think about it. this is 3,000 men and they're circled around Saul, it says. Um, so you talk about impressive. I think about if you've ever seen some Civil War movies where they'll show all the tents of, uh, you know, like 5,000 troops or 10,000 troops. It's pretty impressive. It just goes on and on. So David is here. He's looking at this setting, right? Saul, everybody's circled around him. And so what comes next is kind of unexpected because David goes... David, this next section I'll call the, the defender revealed. So now you've got David and he's going to Ahimelech and he goes to Abishai. Abishai. And he says, Who will go down to me with me to Saul's camp? And Abishai says... I'll go, you know. Um, I picture this happening pretty quick. You know, his arm shoots up or what have you, and I picture uh, a Hamlet going, "Wait a second! I was going to raise my my hand." You know, he said that to me too, but um, but he he didn't. So uh, Abishai is the chosen one. So let's look at a little bit about Abishai. Um, who is he? Uh, there there were thirty accomplished warriors. Uh, within David's men these were called the mighty men and so Abishai um, he was uh, one of these 30 and he had killed like 3,000 men in battle so he was one of the most honored men um, amongst these 30 and because of that he was the commander of those 30 so the reason why I bring that up is so David had about 600 men and what does he do? Um, he goes in, and he knew who to ask, right? He knew who to ask to say, who will go down to me with me to the camp? Um, two, two men. <laughs> um, and I think about that, and I think, boy, don't, don't you want a friend like that, that you know you can go to them? They're the go-to person amongst all the people that you know. And then I think, oh, well, two don't I want to be a friend like that, right, (laughs) that you can depend on, that you can go to and know that I'll go down with you to that camp. So, and then the final point of that would be, you know, it only took one person to give David courage to go down to that camp, right? That's the other flip side of that. He's this defender, Abishai, gave David the courage to go down to a camp with 3,000 men. So next let's look at, so what were the defender qualities in Abishai? Well, let's re- uh, resume in verse 7. It says that David and Abishai they um, went down to the camp and Saul was laying there and he was, he was asleep there was a spear and a jug next to his head, right? And so uh, Abishai says to David, you know, the Lord has given you, um, uh, you know, Saul, Saul over to you, you know. Um, and then he says, please let me strike him with a spear to the ground with one blow and it won't take a second one. <laughs> he, he's like, I'm sure I can do this. Here, I got the spear ready. Just say the word. I'm, I'm ready to go. You know, um, it won't take a second one. Don't you just love that enthusiasm? <laughs> Obesia is like, let me at it, right? Um, and remember that they say this, you know, with people around Saul. It's like, it's no big deal. Well, there's 3,000 men around Saul, and they're sitting there <laughs> ready with a spear to to take him out, right? Um, but the people, and the people are asleep. So the way I start, I, the way I process it is I go, okay, they're asleep, they're fixing to kill Saul. Abishai is sitting here talking to me. Now, what comes out of your Mouth. I, I think what's going to come out of my mouth is, shh, right? <laughs> it's like, there's 3,000 men here asleep, right? Don't wake them up. But Abishai is sitting there talking. And that's what happened to me, but it didn't happen so, didn't go over so well because I was underwater. I was, the uh, brief story behind that was, you know, uh, Carol and I were, were um, snorkeling in Key West, and Carol's motioning to me to my wife is motioning to me to take the picture of the shark that's going by, right? I'm thinking, there ain't no way I'm gonna click that camera because that sets off a little motion in the water, and the shark picks up the motion in the water, right? And um, uh, you know, I'm I'm just sitting there still. <laughs> and she's over there thinking, what's wrong with you, aren't you? So um uh, I can laugh about it now, but I wasn't laughing then because the shark was pretty good size. Um, but you've got to realize the qualities of a defender, right? Uh, Abishai was enthusiastic, he was fearless, and he was focused. Uh, he was right; God had delivered, you know, Saul to them. I mean, everything was lined up there, um, but. David's view is a little bit bigger, a little bit broader. We'll see in verse picking up back in verse 9 that David considered God's sovereignty. So he says, No, Abishai, um, you know, we're not supposed to raise our hand against the Lord's anointed. Um, He says, So don't strike him that you know God's God will take out Saul either in a battle or whatever the situation, you know, but that's for God to do. Um, So he says, please take up the spear and the jug and let's get out of here. (laughs) Right? So what happens? David picks up the jug and the spear and they, they get out of there. Right? Um, So a few things that are interesting there. Um, to take a pause on uh, D- David, um, you know he's he's talking about God's sovereignty and a little bit of background on that. It's very important to David. You, you see that um, later on that there was a, a battle where Saul was injured and, and to mortal injury to would kill him and someone uh, came to him and and basically. Uh, went ahead and killed him for several reasons, but went ahead and killed him. He thought he was doing the right thing, but when he went to David and shared that story, David goes, "No, nope, nobody's supposed to raise a hand against the Lord's anointed," and he had the guy killed. So David took it very seriously about the Lord's anointed, and um, and then that. But you know, David was right in that situation. Uh, Abishai was right that he had been delivered over to him. Um, but the thing there I think about is that that they, they they're both right, but they they didn't turn away from each other, um, and and you know get upset with each other. They understood, you know, you, you know you've got your role. Uh, Abishai had the role of the defender. He was ready. He was willing to go, enthusiastic, fearless. But David. You know, brought the other part of the equation there, right? Um, and then, and, it, and it's important to understand your defender. And, and And I'll give you an example here. If you if you, if you think about this situation, uh, so what what happened when David said, "Pick up the spear and the jug of water"? Nothing. <laughs> Abishai didn't do anything. He's still sitting there, going, "I'm gonna, I'm ready." <laughs> Let, let me go, right? He, he, I believe he probably had um, tunnel vision. You might have heard that term before, where he's he's so focused. Um, police actually experienced this, where certain things shut down around you and you're just, you're tunnel vision. You're, you're so focused. So it's important that David realized that. He's like, well, he's not going to pick it up. I'll pick. He picks it up and they go, right? But it's important for you to as you're interacting, to to realize that about a defender, whether it's a physical alteration or whether it's a verbal situation, same thing can happen. Um, I know I know that happened um, <clears throat> with Carol and I. I'll share another personal example where we're, you know, we were walking around the neighborhood. We had we got attacked by a dog. We sprayed this dog to keep it a, you know at a distance. And then the owner tracks us down and gets all upset at us. We're thinking, hey, your dog attacked us. We, <laughs> we're just protecting ourselves, right? But anyway, I, I had told Carol to go back to the house, and I'll deal with this guy. And so I'm starting to, I'm looking at it. and I'm thinking, okay, no, you know, what's going to happen? And I'm looking around, Carol's still there. I'm thinking, what, what should I, <laughs> I told her to go back to the house, right? But but again, you know, she's she's focused. She's kind of defender um, mentality on that situation too, and, and uh, again, I needed to understand that and not give her a hard time about it, and that, that's, that's who she is, and uh, I share that with you so you can think about that too, and defenders in your life to, to really try and understand them and, and work with them and whatever the situation is. So, let's, let's continue on in verse 13, a little bit more about uh, qualities of a defender, uh, I call this section uh, or the, this is where David uh, uh, he becomes a defender of Saul, which is an inter- interesting twist. First, it was Abishai that was the defender for him. But he does this because he considers what's right. Um, so after they get the jug and the spear and what have you, David goes over to the uh, mountain that's that's right there and stands on top of the mountain and he calls out to... Saul and his army, and you know, uh, to Abner specifically, and then eventually they answer him, and uh, so David says, "You know, hey, why why are you not guarding your Lord, uh, the Anointed One?" Um, and he says, uh, "Well, you know, all of you must die because you didn't do that," um, and he says. I've got the spear and the water that was there, you know, as proof that you didn't protect, right? So how interesting is that, <laughs> that David now becomes the defender? He's rebuking, consider this, as his life is in danger, David. He's being tracked down, hunted, or what have you. He's sitting there telling 3,000 people, you, are going, you need to die because you, <laughs> you didn't perform your duty right? I would say that's, that's a pretty good conviction about what's right and wrong, right? That you're willing to sit there and say to a whole army you, you folks you know, every one of you must die. Like, Again, that's pretty gutsy. <laughs> um, but uh, David also he, he's, he's, he's very enthusiastic, fearless, etc. Um, but he's also humble. Um, so he's, he shared that, and then we resume in verse 17 here. And uh, you've got Saul recognizing David's voice. He says, that's you, my son David. So David says yes, and he says to Saul, he says, why are you pursuing me? You know, um, if it's from God, then you know, let's make an offering to God, and he'll accept that. Or if it's from men, then curse them. You know, they're, they're trying to separate me from my inheritance. Um, and then from the humility standpoint, he says, I'm just a single flea, right? It's like you're going out to hunt a partridge in a wilderness. Um, so he's got a very humble heart before the king. And, and I like it, too, because I thought, it, you know, that wisdom comes from God, that he gave Saul these two options, and they're pretty easy to accept because Saul doesn't have to say, "Yeah, I screwed up." <laughs> you know, I, I'm not. i He didn't have to say, "I'm the one at fault." He's like, "Okay, you know, God brought me here, or you know, men convinced me, but that's uh, okay, right?" So was, I thought it was pretty wise, and that again comes from God. Um, and let's continue on in verse twenty-one. Uh, I, I like this because I say this is where the defender David, uh, he um, appeals to God here. All right, we'll see, because he because Saul says, "Okay, I've sinned," um, but then so David says, "Well, uh, here's here's the spear and the jug of water. Send over somebody to get these items from me." Um, but I, I, I thought it was good or interesting that David takes the time here to reiterate that, hey, I didn't raise this you know, spear against the Lord's anointed, which I could have. Um, so he, he reminds Saul of that, which was, was interesting. Even though Saul had already said, I sinned, right? David just wanted to make sure that was clear. <laughs> and uh, And next... Uh, then you see where where David appeals to God. He says, "May my life be highly valued in the sight of the Lord, and may He deliver me from all distress." So, he didn't just leave it up to Saul at that point. To, even though Saul had commit said I've sinned, he he wanted it. He appealed to God, right? He's he says, "Yeah, this you know, it's looking very good, but he didn't take God out of the equation." And I just think that's good for us to remember as we're dealing with these situations that we've, we want to make sure we're appealing to God to help in that situation. Um, So let's review the effect of a defender. We had David. He was a a hunted man. Um, He was encouraged by his defender's support Um, Abishai to boldly go into his pursuer's camp and once he was there and and he had the opportunity to take out Saul that that was balanced by his understanding of God's sovereignty as far as the Lord's anointed Um, so he became a defender himself then it switched over he became the defender and he rebuked the army and Abner for not protecting the Lord's anointed and basically re- he reversed Saul's wrath um, by all those different steps in the process and so just think how amazing is that that here, here he was pursued by an army of 3,000 he had 3,000 men he had 600 you know totally at a disadvantage and he boldly you know stood up for what was right and Um, you know, God turned the tables and they both walked away from that situation. But I I think that's a key is, you know, what's what's right in God's eyes and being enthusiastic about that, um, just really on fire, David was for God. Um, So as I was preparing for this message, I happened to be... um, Doing a lot of reading on uh, gun gun ownership, and specifically, I was looking at concealed uh, permit folks, and just reading some books and some magazines and stuff. And I, it was interesting. Stick with me here. <laughs> Why I bring this up? It was interesting that to me, uh, it seemed to be a life choice for most of these people to be a defender. They took the time to study up on on this particular aspect of being able to defend yourself, um, and uh, just to give you some more details on that, I'll say a defender um, in that situation would go into a restaurant uh, like not like us, where we go and we're thinking, "Ooh, what's on that menu there? Right? What am I What am I gonna get?" But When they walk into that restaurant, they're typically looking and saying, okay, I want to get a booth, um, or not a booth, I want a table uh, with a wall behind my back so I don't have to defend myself from the rear. I want it to be a table where I can get up and out of the seat easily if I have to get up to defend the situation. I want to be able to see the cash register where I can see if anybody's coming in and doing anything they shouldn't be doing. Right? Now, that's more detailed than I think about when I go, eh, I don't know about you, but, um, but before that, you've got to think about it too, that they've already um, they have practiced their stance. They've practiced their grip of the of a gun. They have practiced dry fires live firing, gone to the shooting range. Also, they've made sure that weapon is reliable. Um, They made sure that it's accurate and that they've got the right ammunition. There's just a lot of planning that goes into that. And then they've looked at scenarios too. So they've looked at, okay, what am I gonna do if this person comes into the restaurant and they don't have a gun, right? and they've just asked for money. Well, the w- one interesting thing about that group is that they don't desire an altercation, right? They're not gonna take a life if they don't have to take a life. So they've run through all these scenarios. Now, if there was a gun situation and somebody was shot, maybe they would step in, right? But it's just interesting how many scenarios you can run through to be prepared. So. So what am I saying? I bring this up because as Christians, I believe we should be just as deliberate as far as being a defender, right? We should we should know and understand our defenders. Like I said earlier, as far as you know, understanding that you know, they might have tunnel vision when they're looking at a situation. You know, if it's a physical or verbal confrontation or Conversation, you know. So remember that about them. Remember that they're—they um, might not think of other aspects like David did, where he thought about the Lord's anointed and that they shouldn't be a hand raised against them, right? So your defender can't always think of everything. Um, you take some of that responsibility, and then you know, there's the aspect of becoming a defender yourself, like. The tables turned on David, where he became a defender. And I believe that we should be deliberate about that. Um, you know, to think about, meditate on what are the what are the things that are uh, important to God. What are the things that are right, righteous? That's what we should be getting excited about and being willing to uh, speak up. Um, you know why do why do we not speak up? Uh, a lot of times it's because we're our flesh wants to grow old, right? <laughs> we don't we'll, we don't want to get in a situation where it might be, uh, you know, uh, a bad situation, and, and and we we don't like confrontation. Right? Most of us don't like confrontation. So, you know, the flesh is screaming to us. You know, hey, we want to live long, which to me is highly overrated. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, it's it's better to be zealous for God and to do the right thing. So, concentrating on what's right. Being uh, the other things we learned from David was considering God's sovereignty. He he taught us well there. Um, being humble in the situation, um, kind of like I said earlier about uh, you know you with a um, concealed weapons person, they don't want to have a uh, fire exchange. They want to avoid that if at all possible, and I know we as believers, in most cases, we're, you know, we're not wanting to have a uh, major confrontation or what have you. But, but we've got to be willing to step up for the truth, to step up for your friend that is doing the right thing, um, you know. And then, as we learn to from David at the very end, making sure that we are appealing to God to deliver us from that situation, right? Not to just depend on us and what we might say and and do. So I I believe as we are deliberate about these things um, that we will uh, glorify God. And uh, I believe, too, that it will uh, enrich your lives, too, uh, and that we're not sitting back and Yes, we're growing older, and we don't have confrontation, <laughs> but we have missed what's uh, important to God as far as defending the truth, defending each other, um, and there is as much joy in that. So, I'm appreciative of David and his his uh, uh, showing us both sides of that, being a defender and working with a defender, and. Uh, God, God is gracious, um, graciously shown us um, Samuel chapter twenty six there. So, let's let's pray. God, thank you that um, you are so open in your word, showing us a life of David, and just how zealous he was for you, Lord, and how you worked with that, and will work with us as we are zealous for you, and. Pursuing your truth, pursuing what's right, Lord, in a world that is quickly turning from that these days. God, it can be very challenging, very um, disconcerting as we look at these things around us. And just help us to be fearless, God, um, to cling to your truth and to be willing to be that defender and to um, uh, just speak the truth, Father. We praise you for these words that we can go back to and gain encouragement, that we can lean on each other as we um, pursue this in our lives. And thank you, God, that it it doesn't change no matter where we're at. If we are young, middle-aged, getting a little bit older, that you um, are always consistent in our lives, God. It might look a little bit different today than it did yesterday as far as how we Pursue this, but give us your grace, God, to do this. We praise you in Christ's name. Amen.